Welcome to West of Everest. Oklahoma takes down Oklahoma State 28 to 13 in Bedlam Saturday night in Norman. And it was a game that started with a bang. Incredible beginning for Oklahoma. 28 points in the first quarter. Almost 300 yards of total offense in the first quarter. And then the final three quarters, there wasn't a whole lot to cheer about. Aside from some defensive plays here and there. Lee Benson alongside Grant Vinson here as uh, we normally do here after Oklahoma finishes up their game on Saturday. And, and a little unusual recording schedule today as we wait until the evening on Sunday because Grant was in the car all day Sunday driving to the great state of Oklahoma is where we find you now, Grant. How's it going? Uh, it's going. Probably a good thing that we waited a bit for me to kind of to, to collect my thoughts about the game on Saturday, but uh, I don't know. Definitely an interesting one. It seemed like a lot of people had a lot of, you know, a, a very wide-ranging uh, uh, sort of a spectrum of thoughts about this one. Yeah, it was the the first Bedlam game I have attended in the crowd, like as a as a regular OU uh, fan, supporter, whatever you want to say, not being a part of the media. The first one, Grant, since uh, I guess you and I went, uh, we talked about it last episode. Was that 2010? Uh, 2009. 2010, or 2009. I'm sorry, 2009. And uh, the first, <laughs> this is crazy, it was the first OU game I attended, again, like as a non-media member in a decade and the last one, I think, uh, I, I think you weren't there. It was uh, the Notre Dame game, and OU lost. I was there, as we all remember. We I was there. It was Halloween. I, I, I couldn't remember. Halloween okay, weekend, and that was also the night that James Harden got traded from the Thunder. Right, and that's that's the thing that a lot of Oklahoma sports fans remember about that game. But at the time, I, you know, I couldn't care less because I didn't watch the NBA. So I was like, "What do we? What do we?" guys fussing about here OU's playing Notre Dame this is a big time game primetime matchup anyways uh, so kind of an interesting kind of a cool experience being in the crowd had really great seats big thanks to a good friend of mine who uh, was able to, to have me tag along with his family and so great night and it was a great start really fun and then man I the last three quarters of that game were so hard to watch offensively uh, the defense was good the defense was good to great and you got to give them a lot of credit. Good job, Oklahoma defense. That's back-to-back games where Oklahoma's defense was good to really good at certain points. And Oklahoma's defense essentially won them the football game because offensively, it was really good. And then before we started recording, Grant, how did you describe it? The, the, the offense was the worst you've seen in... Oh, I mean, in I, just, I, mean I was being hyperbolic, but I said that they, after the last three quarters, they turned into the worst offense in the history of college football. <laughs> or I mean uh, better I yet they, they turned into Davis Bevel Texas offense that's what I was gonna say so if you didn't watch the game at all and you just looked at the drive chart of that game you would have thought oh did so Dylan Gabriel was injured after the first quarter and Davis Bevel played the rest of the game huh that's that's what the drive chart looked like six three and outs for Oklahoma's offense to finish up the game final six possessions all three and out I believe that is the case, yes. And that is, and you know, let's, um, we can talk about that. I just, I want to say, for, I'm happy they won. I'm happy they won. I'm happy they're bowl eligible. So I want to get that out of the way right now. Um, but also at the same time, the fact that their offense was so, so bad, so bad over the last 13 possessions of the game is by far the most interesting part of the game last night. <laughs> by far. That's the thing, man. No, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up. 
don't get us wrong. OU's six and five now. It was a game that you know, we titled the last episode is Bedlam a must win because going into that game, we're not so sure if OU can beat Texas Tech on the road next week. And in order to potentially get to bowl eligibility and avoid a losing season, OU had to win that game over Oklahoma State. And OU did. And even though it was frustrating for the last three quarters, it wasn't close. I mean, they won by two scores. <laughs> so it's a very bizarre. It, of course, in this season, in this season, that's such a frustrating year. OU was five and five through 10 games. Such a fantastic start, and everything seems to be looking up. This team finds a way for it to be kind of, uh, I don't know, disappointing and, and uh, depressing is too strong of a word, but disappointing we'll go with, even in a bedlam victory. But you're right. Uh, they got the win, and if they can put together another win, obviously, against Texas Tech, and the defense can keep playing better and stuff, like, you know, there'll be a lot of positivity. But yeah, I think you're right. The most interesting part about the game is the offense looking the way it did for the last three quarters of the game, which was just bizarre. Because I think you can <laughs> make a bizarre. really, a really, uh, it, and it's, it doesn't matter. This, this is not how the game is played. Oklahoma State was clearly the better team in the last three quarters of the game yesterday. Yeah. Overall, I guess because because their offense moved the ball better, right? But I mean, Oklahoma's defense still stepped yeah, okay, up. And, so and, yeah, so, and that's why so that's like, why I say that's why yeah. the game is weird. They still won by 15 points, but I don't think and the defense did play well. Uh, but the offense was absolutely atrocious last night, and I don't I, I I don't really know how to square the first quarter with everything else. I just I just don't get it. I don't understand how that happens, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up with. Just like Oklahoma, just when when everything when when something goes well this year, and it kind of feels like maybe they're starting to put everything back or everything together, they just find another way to make you scratch your head. And see, because last last night was just absolutely insane. It was, and I I don't I don't say this lightly. That was maybe the best first quarter I've ever seen the program play since I've been following them. I, I mean. I, it's not a crazy statement. Again, nearly 300 yards of offense in the first quarter, up 28 nothing. Could have been 35. I mean, Braden should have been fumbled. 35. Should have been 35. You don't <laughs> don't fumble. Don't fumble. fumbles are garbage. Don't fumble. <laughs> don't fumble the football. Uh, it, it's so incredible. The defense played really well. Got some takeaways. Could have had more takeaways. We had some dropped interceptions. <laughs> I mean, that's the yeah. That's the funny thing. Like it's there's um. What is it like? Oh, you picked off Spencer Sanders, you know, uh, four times on Saturday. Four times, and it's Could've not been seven. It, Could have been eight. He put so many passes into <laughs> harm's way that it wasn't a statistical fluke that oh, you picked him off four times. In fact, it was probably lucky that it wasn't six times. You know, Ethan Downs. I think second snap of the game, Ethan Downs had one go right through his hands. Danny Stutzman dropped one in the first quarter. That one ended up not mattering that much because on that same drive was the Jonah Laulu interception. By the way, nice play by Woody Washington getting a PBU to set up the interception there on that play. But yeah, I mean, there was uh, there was at least one or two more I want to say I, that could have been picked off in the game. But uh, but the, the offense though, so you could have. Like, part of me I was chalking up last week's struggles a lot to man that weather was bad. You know we weren't there, but hearing the other guys that were at the game on the ground there in Morgantown. That weather was, was, was nuts and not great. And so, all right, maybe the passing game is not great. Okay, I mean, Eric Gray was fantastic on the ground. I can go ahead and, and give them a break for just poor weather. And 
so maybe that's the reason. And then you get into last night, and it was cold, but there's no wind. The weather was actually pretty good. You, you know how it is, Grant. You know, we were there at the, the Texas Tech game in 2008 where it was pretty cold outside. You get into the crowd. Everyone's there packed together. It's not that bad at all. Oh, yeah. It's, the guys on the field playing with the adrenaline, they, didn't, they felt zero coldness. And, and them too, yeah. So uh, the weather's not a factor last night, and the weather was clear. And for the first quarter, everything was great. I mean, Dylan Gabriel was making some really nice throws. The touchdown pass to Drake Stoops might have been his best throw of the year. I mean, that was a fantastic, terrific throw, right? right? I mean, he's had, a, he's had a handful of those throws this season. Uh, in, you know, classic Dylan Gabriel fashion, he missed, you know, he missed Eric Gray out of the backfield in the first quarter. You know, and, and so it wasn't a factor. And then all of a sudden, I guess Oklahoma State adjusted or something or Oklahoma adjusted negative. I don't know what. So now two games in a row where the offense is – for the most part, not very good. That's, three out of four. That's a bit, that's, it's, it's troubling. Three out of four? Yeah. And also three out of four games where the defense has been good. Are you, what's the, like, Iowa State or which, which other yes, game? Yes, the offense about? was bad against Iowa State. It, it did Drops, what it needed missed do, opportunities, penalties. Drops, yeah. But, I mean, that's like a really good defense, though, at least. I mean, the last two games are against bad defenses. Bad defenses. And, uh, but, yeah, okay, sure. Um, so that's... You're you're right, man. It's it is the most interesting part of the. Uh, but let's let's. I mean, well, let's let's go. In. Let's talk about the defense first, just so we can we can get that out of the way because they they deserve the props because they won that game. The defense won the game. Um, and I'm sorry, man. You and as an offense, you go 13 consecutive empty possessions, six of which, and it may have even been more than six, six of which are three and outs. You don't deserve to win that football game. That means the defense saved your butt. Period. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. So yeah, you're right. I mean, the defense. You could point out players on every single level that stood out defensive line wise. Uh, I thought Isaiah Coe played really well. The defensive Jordan line. Was, the defensive line probably, I think you know, certainly played their best game since September for sure. Um, played their mm-hmm. best Big Twelve game for sure. I you know I, I think in terms of tackles for loss and sacks, that was their best game of the season. Thirteen and six. I can pull up the notes. I was kind of trying to read it earlier. I don't know if it was the best of the year. It was it was up there though. Uh, Laulu mentioned him. He had a really nice game. He was flashing, you know, making plays. Jalen Redman had a nice game. Heck, I mean, you know, we we bag on David Ogwebu a lot and and you know Danny Stutzman, but there's a couple of plays that I circled that Ogwebu looked really good coming up, stopping the run, uh, identifying a screen pass, making a nice play with Isaiah Coe. and then. Yeah. What can we say about Billy Bowman, man? Billy Bowman is a really good player. And that interception he had in the first half, that's one of the best plays I've seen a safety make at Oklahoma in a long – maybe since I've been back here you know, watching him. I mean, the only other guy I can think of that even have those kind of ball skills is Trey Norwood. That was a, that's how you play center field. That is textbook safety play right there. Terrific. Uh, corner blitz by C.J. Colden. Billy Bowman knows that. He knows that there's a chance that that receiver is going to be, you know, flash open, and Spencer Sanders will notice it. And he kind of baited it a little bit. He was Bowman was more towards the middle of the field, but then at the snap, he started creeping over towards that side because he knew the safe uh, the corner blitz was going to be there. And right, even as Spencer Sanders identified the open man, Bowman was already on his break, already on his break because he, yep, this is where I'm going, 
and he, he jumped it, and he made the play. That, that is how you do it, man. I love seeing that, and I just I want to see more and more of that, uh, obviously, moving forward because uh, as much as the defense has been down this year and it has not been very good, they have been getting takeaways, Grant. Uh, 18, I think, total this year. Yeah, they have, a lot of, uh, they have a lot of interceptions in the second half of the season, too. Yeah, but mainly, yeah, mainly here. The, Think of all the, the ones that they've dropped this year, too. And they've dropped, yeah. Yeah, so I just, I, I wanted to really give Bowman a lot of credit for that. He, man, I, I'm I, I glad thought, he was able I, to I just, come back this year. I thought year the entire and, defense was really good. I mean, when you, I mean, when you have to defend 102 snaps, you only give up 13 points, that is magnificent. I, that's just amazing, especially yeah. when in the second half your offense is just going three and out, three and out, three and out. They only have one of their 19 possessions that OU had, Lee, lasted more than two minutes. That is so wow. unacceptable. Ugh. That is... We're 11 games into this Brent Venables era, and all of our reservations about the Jeff Lebby offensive system... Every one of them has been a thing. <laughs> Every one of them has come to fruition and has been an issue. Has it not? I mean, yes, the tempo does give you some advantages here and there. But, man, when it doesn't work or when it, when it is a burden on you, it really is uh, – there's a spotlight on it. It gets you beat it, is what it does. Gets you beat. And it didn't last night, but, oh, my God. O- Oklahoma last night after they went up 28 to nothing, the entire game was just opening their arms to Oklahoma State and saying, please beat us. Please beat us, begging you. Almost like West Virginia in the first half last week to OU. <laughs> what does that say about Oklahoma State? I, Oklahoma State right now is not a very good football team. Uh, the defense obviously stepped up and played some of its best football they've played in a while in the last three quarters, but uh, also Oklahoma's offense is, is clearly not figuring it out. And offensively, Oklahoma State has not been anywhere near the same team as it was the first half of the year. And I know Spencer Sanders has been kind of banged up and – uh, that probably factors in a lot. He just he's he like you said it earlier. He put a lot of balls into into danger. He he just no, he's not very good. Uh, he's not very good right now. And I don't know if it's because he's injured or what, but it feels like he's always injured. Him and he Gabriel are uh, in terms of effectiveness are pretty similar players at the college level. Um, Spencer Sanders is better than Dylan Gabriel, um, but it's I mean they're they're really similar in how hot and cold they are. And how and just how inaccurate they are at times. Yeah, I bet Spencer Sanders would would look pretty good in the Jeff Lebby offense just because of his his running ability. Spencer Sanders is very good on the run, especially early in the year when he's not banged up and injured. <laughs> and you know, I mean, Dylan you can Gabriel just, I mean, is just, just look too, at the, but, the difference yeah. in the second halves between the two guys. Um, Spencer Sanders was was having to bail from the pocket was making throws on the run, hitting guys in stride. And Dylan Gabriel, I mean, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a freaking boat. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know we're trying to talk about the defense, and, and we're giving him praise. You know, Deshaun White had an interception late in the game. Thought that, I mean, it, it kind of sealed it, but it didn't because then the offense gave the ball right back in about a minute and 10, minute 15 or so. <sighs> uh, it's just, it's, it's a weird Coleman place to be pick. because yeah. I kind of, I mean, this is what, this is essentially what like every Iowa game is like. That they, I mean, just the defense has to win it, and then they have to deal with just like a ton of just offensive ineptitude. And so they just kind of, it's like the fans have just have 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 settled into that routine where it's just like, oh, you know, whatever. This is how we win, so we won, and that's great. <laughs> I don't know what that was yesterday. That was one of the oddest football games I've ever seen. 
You know, I, I got to give it up to all the Oklahoma fans. And granted, this team has been really good for all the, uh, you know, all the years. So I, not even Oklahoma fans. So here, here's a random thought I had last night. Again, at the game, first time as a quote-unquote fan in a decade. And it was so great for the first quarter. And then the, the last three quarters was just like, what are we watching here? Can, so I, I was thinking, I can't imagine being a Nebraska fan and investing hundreds, if not you know, thousands of dollars every thousands of dollars every single year, going to all these home games and watching bad football in the crowd and dealing with all of the you know the people getting there early, you know, depending on the weather. Uh, this is kind of like this is what you think about whenever OU goes up twenty-eight nothing, and then the offense looks like that for the next three quarters. I just and, no, no, OU won the game, but I was thinking, man, how do you know what? Bless all the all the football fans that that do that because if not football wouldn't be as fun there wouldn't be anybody in the crowd well Lee, if it you uh, be as exciting if you think about that a little more i think i think you know the answer to that hypothetical question that you put out you know like why do they why do they still do that it's because it's about more than football that's why <laughs> i guess it's just i just i oh you won the football game but i just was thinking like man nebraska fans have watched so much bad football and they still keep showing up and spending all this money and all this time and all right like Good I don't know. I mean, it's there's 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 a difference, right? Like I went to the uh, I went to the the Minnesota Iowa game yesterday, and I, I wasn't planning on going. I was just tailgating, and um, somebody had an extra ticket for me, and so yeah, I said of course I'll, I'll go in with an extra ticket. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, with you, I didn't I didn't watch a whole lot of the game at all, and I was I was there. I was in the I was in the stands. Um, but it's more of just uh, you're there. I mean, you're you're amongst your people. You're it's it's where you're in your comfort zone. You're um, you, you've been there so many times before and you just kind of know what it's like and you just, you feel at home there. That's why you go. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've made the analogy before that it's like going to church, you know, you got a group of people all like-minded similar to that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, part yeah, of it's it too. not exactly like it, but yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, on the same path for sure. Anyways, that's a sidebar. Anything else? I mean, we'll get to, I mean, maybe the three-word reviews and you know, we can get to those and that'll spark some defensive stuff. But, I mean, again, the offensive stuff is so interesting. Uh, again, I mean, they start so hot. Eric Gray's looking great early on. Uh, Drake Stoops, I think, had a career game. I uh, mentioned that, you know, the really nice touchdown pass to him. Uh, nice catch by him. Uh, you know, well, Jalil let's, Farouk. We, let's, let's just kind of, just, just, just real quick, like, I just like a bow on everything. The defense was really good. And, and I honestly don't think there's much other to say than that. Um, we don't, we, we hope that this is a sign that, the, that they're getting better. Like I said, I mean, they've, they've played pretty well in three of four games now. Um, that's cool. I guess, we, you know, we'll take it. This was by far the best that they performed this season against a statistically a good offense. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. So I, going into that game, OU was 12th in SP plus offense and Oklahoma State was 13th. So, and that is, you know, you take, you take, you know, statistics wise, that is by far the defense's best performance this season. Um, I think it's the least amount of points. They, oh no, they only gave up three against Kent State, but um, it's, it's definitely the least amount of points they've given up since the Nebraska game, right? So I know they gave up 13 to Iowa State. Yeah. Hey, you're at that game. You should remember. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, you go through the the year, and I mean, there is a decent amount of games. You know, the, obviously, the first three games, 
uh, and then Iowa State, and now Oklahoma State, where you, you look at the scoreboard and like, ah, defense played pretty well, but then you know the games that they lost, you know, lost or the close, you know, the Kansas win, you know, that that's where the the stats are really going to be alarming. But I think I think their defense works. at this point, well, I guess I guess the defense last year played pretty well against Iowa State in the penultimate game of the season. Uh, but I, I I really I really think overall I think this defense is better than last season. I, I really do think that's the case. Um, this is they they played a way tougher schedule this year than they did last year. Yeah, yeah. Statistically, though, it's it's not anywhere near that. I mean, they're still in the hundreds, man. I don't statistically, but uh, that raw stat that does not matter for defense at all. I know you don't care about that stuff, but I I do. I think the only I think the only thing matters. I really care about on defense is yards per play, uh, whatever the analytics are saying in terms of adjusted numbers. Uh, you know, points like points per play is good too. Points per drive is a good one as well. And OU's and I, I think yards per play, points per play, points per drive, OU's defense is like significantly better across the board than they were last year. All right. So before you jump back into that to put the you know, the, the period on the defensive talk, I, I think the last thing I mentioned offensively, real quick, I, I brought up Jaleel Farouk, and I I got to say it. I mean, I go out of my way to. Really praise Jalil Farouk, say he's the best receiver on the team right now, and he comes out and that's how he plays the next game. And I, I just feel like an idiot, man. He dropped three balls. He had the touchdown catch, great. Uh, glad he didn't drop that one, but holy cow, that's that's frustrating because he was playing so well, and it's just he has the drops in the game. Uh, so, anyways, I just I just wanted to bring that up before I forgot. So, hopefully, that's not a trend for the you know the next game and the bowl game and, and whatnot because like that's he's one of the better players on the team but didn't look like it last night <sighs> yeah i can't explain um, it can't explain it um ha- the hacky part of my brain wants to uh wants to blame dylan gabriel for being a lefty and the ball coming out weird out of his hand <laughs> I, I i'm aware so, I, I hate having a lefty as a quarterback really hate it i'm i like i i appreciate dylan like he's I think he's better than Spencer Rattler. I, ironic, because Spencer Rattler had an amazing game last night. But I, man, I don't know. I'm 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 ready to be done with lefties behind center. <laughs> yeah, it's I guess maybe once a, a generation you got Heupel, and then you know, whatever twenty years later, whatever the math is, more than that, and you got another lefty. But uh, I have know, I have nothing back to back this up except for just circumstantial evidence of, of just like things that I've noted in my brain. Lefties suck at throwing at throwing like swing passes. All of them, they can't do it. I mean, I'm sure Steve Young could do it pretty well. I don't know. Did did swing He's, passes exist back then when they played? Did the forward pass sure. exist? <laughs> Considering he was in the West Coast offense and he threw a lot of short passes, I'm I'm gonna guess it probably did exist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first quarter, yeah, it, it was good. But after that, man, it's the, there were drops. So it wasn't all on Gabriel. And speaking of Farouk, in the second half, there was a play. He one of Farouk's third and final drop came on a third down and four, where Dylan Gabriel extended the play and threw a really nice ball to Farouk near the like on the sideline for the first down, and Farouk just whiffed it, dropped it. So that that would have been a first down in the second half. I think OU only had two first downs in the entire second half grant and i believe dylan gabriel only only completed one pass after halftime <laughs> one pass i believe <laughs> yeah i don't the, like uh, that's not what do you say to that other than i don't know i mean you just hope like you would say it's like i guess you just kind of hope it's a fluke but lee 
they looked just as bad on third and fourth and short last week against West Virginia in the exact same scenarios as they did this past week. So it's a thing. It's a problem. Third and third and short. And third my, medium, my guess they, they is that nothing, yeah. teams have seen something on tape, and I bet they run like two or three plays in those situations, and the teams know exactly what they are. It's a good guess. Uh, another play I noticed on the, the rewatch that uh, was a, a big momentum play in the game but then didn't matter was another uh, third down in the third, kind of early third quarter. It's another third down where Gabriel made a really nice throw to Marvin Mims, and Mims made an even better catch, but Anton Harrison was flagged for holding on the play. I've, uh, so it wiped. Heard multiple people say now that that was a terrible call and there was no holding whatsoever there. Yeah, so. I, was, to me, it was ticky-tack. It was a ticky-tack call, but the interesting thing about it is that the ref who threw the flag was literally look, like literally looking right at the play. Like, he was staring down. So he obviously saw something, but all, at, at most, all, it had to have been something like where he saw the jersey get pulled, like, kind of on the inside. It's, it was a very ticky-tack call. Super ticky-tack. Don't, get me, don't, don't a, even get me started on the fact that I, we don't even know that Oklahoma State would have scored a touchdown if it wasn't for the stripes yesterday. Uh, yeah, Woody Washington getting called for PI on second down and pretty 12, tough to get called on which, PI when you defend a play perfectly. That sucks. That's a pretty tough break. I wouldn't say he defended it perfectly because there was a little bit of his hand kind of doing a little bit of a grab, but it was it, it should have been PI. That that's good coverage. That's good strong coverage. And they threw the flag. It, and it would have been third and twelve and said it was. What first and goal from uh, they put that the two yard line I think whenever there's a penalty in the end zone like that, so that that was BS that that was stupid. So um, let's see. I'm trying to go through all my notes here. Yeah, it's just there's not a whole lot to say about it. I mean, I, I guess the last well one of the last things for now that stands out that was easy to to get really mad about late in the game was the tempo and not taking as much time off the clock as they could have. And the big one that stands out came after Deshaun White's interception. There was about six-ish minutes to go in the game, kind of around six minutes or so. And uh, by the way, Javante Barnes looked good. Javante Barnes averaged like nine yards per carry. Yeah, he kind of so, looked like uh, he was, every time he touched it, he kind of looked like he was on the verge of taking it to the house. Yeah. Like, credit to, I don't know if it's credit to Oklahoma State or if everybody on Oklahoma after the first quarter forgot or could not break a tackle like there was not a one broken tackle after the, after the first quarter like I just like if okay, an Oklahoma we, State player how touched you, them how do you get up 28 to nothing and just don't score the rest of the game even when your <laughs> defense is giving you the ball back quickly numerous times like I, I, just, I don't get it if you are on the offense there and you get up 28 to nothing you know your defense is playing well I'm thinking hell yeah let's stay locked in I want to I want to score 70 today I yeah <laughs> I just I love how you just go back to the the general question that everybody has like what come on how does this even happen <laughs> i just like it doesn't make any sense and like i it's it's like i i want to keep going back to I'm, I'm so happy that they won the game i really do but i think they i think they, they won the game because oklahoma state sucks right now yeah i know and very much like they beat kansas because kansas sucks <laughs> oh and when oh you beat kansas i mean kansas did beat oklahoma state without spencer sanders <laughs> That was I think that was Kansas's last too. win, right? To get to, to get to bowl eligibility, we talked about. By the way, I mean, we talked about the whole Kansas thing. I think after the OU game, 
looking at Kansas' schedule the rest of the way, it's like I'm not sure if these guys are going to win another game, and that's essentially kind of what's going on. You know, if Spencer Sanders is healthy, who knows? You know, maybe Oklahoma State beats Kansas, and Kansas is still fighting for bull eligibility. Anyway, sorry. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, yeah, very, very yeah. ADHD brain. But, the, okay, the, the, so the tempo. So after the Deshaun White interception, about six or so minutes ago in the game, I mentioned Javante Barnes. He was the guy who had the first down carry, picked up seven, seven yards, and Oklahoma bleeds the clock, as they should. I mean, they're up by 15 points here. Uh, Worst-case scenario on this drive, Oklahoma's offense cannot move the football. It's been awful since the first quarter. But so the worst thing you can – like the worst thing out of this is that you have to make sure – you take off as much time as possible. I think Oklahoma State had two timeouts at the time. And so they let the clock run down. Second down, they snap it, I believe, with about two seconds on the play clock. That's fine. Eric Gray, I believe, gets two yards. I think it was Eric Gray. And Oklahoma State's not calling timeout. But on third and one, they go tempo because they want to try to catch Oklahoma State off guard. Like, you know, they're not set up so they can get this quick first down on third and short. And, I mean, most of the time this year, Grant, honestly, on third and one, temp- like, OU's picked that up. I mean, they've got it. It's just, in this scenario, it's, you know, the spotlight's on you. And when it doesn't work, it looks really bad. And they snap the football with 27 seconds left on the play clock. No gain. Eric Gray, one of the, I felt like, seven to ten touches he had in, in the second half where he, if he just got touched, he went down. <laughs> no gain. Timeout Oklahoma State. And the entire possession, I believe, was about a minute and 10. And they punted the ball right back. I kind of lost and it so, a little bit on that sequence. Not, I'm not, yeah. not super proud of it. In a game, they were up by 15 points at the time. That entire sequence absolutely made me lose my mind. Because it was stupid. I, I, don't, I don't, It was stupid. Full on stupid. And maybe, maybe, you can, maybe it's defensible in that situation. You say, hey, we're trying to get a first down. We, we get a first down there. The game really is kind of all but over. But also at the same time, man, this is after you have absolutely neglected the clock the entire second half. And your defense has given you so many opportunities to rectify yourself. And yet you still continue to bang your head into the wall because you are absolutely, absolutely obsessed with this stupid principle. It's a gimmick. Stop it. I hate it. So I listened to Jeff Lebby's postgame availability and uh you know credit to those the, you know the OU media guys that post that stuff and Eddie Radosevich asked Lebby uh about in the second half about hey did you guys have talks or did you have discussions about not snapping the ball you know with I think Eddie actually said 27 seconds left on the play clock and the way Lebby answered that question he answered it by saying that there was some frustrations in their execution and they kept putting themselves in bad spots so uh, not not answering Eddie's question really at all. And then Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World asked a follow-up to Eddie's question, uh, similarly about clock management and whatnot, and Lebby didn't answer that question really at all. He said it's, it's all just about us getting into rhythm. He talked about how they need to get into rhythm. And so that tells me, and this is not just this particular instance, because before I left News 9, obviously I was going to all the press conferences. I saw, you know, listen to Jeff Lebby, asked him questions all year, you know, and he has a style. And if you ask him something and he doesn't really directly answer your question, that's one of his things. And, and that, to me, that kind of tells me he didn't want to answer this question. Uh, I feel like I, 
that happened to me when I asked him about the backup quarterback situation, you know, when Dylan Gabriel came back, uh, you know, as, as far as if they've thought about maybe making some moves or, you know, what he just gave me canned answers about how, oh, yeah, everyone got work. He didn't really directly answer my question there. So that's one of his, you know, that's, that's his style. And so we were talking before the podcast, the way he answered those questions in the post game, it tells me he doesn't have an answer for it because his offense is all about tempo. It's, it's not even really something that he considers. I mean, there has been times this year where they have slowed it down a little bit, and I think back all the way to game number one against UTEP. Remember that? Where in the second quarter, it was like, okay, we got to slow this down because UTEP was kind of keeping it a little bit close. And they did slow it down, and they took some time off the clock going into the locker room at halftime, and they scored a touchdown, and it was a really nice drive. But the, in a game when they needed to kind of do that a lot more with the way the defense was playing and just kind of try to bleed the clock, they, they didn't do it. It is and, so – it's just it's, – it's dereliction to put your defense out there 19 times for 19 possessions. And that was 100% on Jeff Levy. 100%. Like, I don't know the reason why there's a reason why there's there's people who who are who are hanging on this despite a win and despite being bowl eligible in a difficult season so far. It's because their clock management in the second half and really their clock management in the last three quarters of this game is glaring, stunning incompetence. And it's a huge red flag and it worries me. That's why. And they were lucky to not lose that game last night after they got up 28 to nothing. Because of their because of whatever the hell they're doing on offense, I don't know what they're doing. It's not good. It's not good, man. That's like uh, not even a they're not even anything, not even any sort of sniff or whiff of adjustment at all to even acknowledge the reality of what's happening on the field. You just keep you just keep going. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, and then to you know, add even more. Uh, just kind of frustration to this whole scenario after the defense you know did its job and once again got off the field after you know OU goes three and out the Sooners get the ball back again with around you know three minutes or so two and a half whatever that was and like they did all night they got the third down again it was third and five with 203 to go and instead of just running the ball and saying you know what fine we'll just run the ball here force Oklahoma State to call their last time out they're like, you know what? On third and five, we're going to go ahead and, and try to go, go for the win, essentially, and go for the first down, which I enjoy and I appreciate aggressiveness. But when you, you got to have a play call that's kind of a money play. And so they throw the ball when they're struggling on offense, and it's an incomplete pass. Almost gets picked off by, I think it was Mason Cobb. And Dylan Gabriel's read, he tries to go across the middle of the field on a crosser from the other side. He should have been looking. His read was Drake Stoops. Drake Stoops is running it out. That's the guy that was more open than anybody else. And pre-snap, that should have been the obvious read. He decides to go to a player coming across the formation. Anyways, it almost gets picked off. The clock is stopped. Oklahoma State saves that timeout. And it's just another kind of ad it adds to, okay, they went for the kill there. It didn't work. The clock stopped. Oklahoma State gets to keep a timeout. And it's like now they're putting the ball back again. Like everything was not working. And it'd be one thing if it's just like it's a situation where you just tip your cap to the defense or whatever. It's just they made a good play. I'm sorry, man. That's that's arguably that's statistically the worst defense in the Big Twelve. Yep. And like I it's just the last two and they weeks, got up the twenty eight to man. nothing in this game and they got freaking shut out the rest of the way. Only picked up two first downs after the first quarter. 
embarrassing. Their last first down of the night came with 9.33 to go in the third quarter. Stunning. Like, not even by accident did they get a first down. That is... Uh, Yeah, the reason why I'm I'm harping on this is because I, I look at a performance like that and I think it really actually tracks with some of the other issues they've had on offense this year. And I'll be honest with you. It's hard for me to picture this getting much better next year. The hope is that, you know, with the, maybe a, a better quarterback, like a more elite-style type quarterback, makes this offense hum more. And, you know, a guy like oh, Jackson yeah. Arnold, maybe. We, we said this idea. before. Spencer Sanders would be much better in this offense than Gabriel. Right. Right. But, I mean, I just, I'm not a fan. I don't love... Over simplistic offenses, I I don't love them, and that's what this offense is. And it's stunning to me that it's taken it kind of takes took this long for certain teams to figure it out. Well, Oklahoma State sure kind of figured it out. Uh, and I mean, you look back to something that we never really brought up. I can't remember before. Oh yeah, before the Baylor game, uh, the bowl game last year when Ole Miss played Baylor, and, and Ole Miss's offense. Uh, you know, Matt Corral was injured early in that game, so you got to take that into account, but. Baylor's defense did a really nice job against Ole Miss and Jeff Lebby. He was calling the play still. Uh, so I just that late in the year bowl game, like a good defense like Baylor had no problem with it. I'll be with a backup quarterback. And now we're getting in. Now we're seeing almost a full year of Jeff Lebby's offense at Oklahoma. And we've seen the highest of highs. I mean, the first quarter, like you said, one of the best first quarters, maybe the best first quarter offensively you've, we've ever seen. That's the best this, just like, overall. Just the best, the best first quarter yeah. the program has played like and I've then, ever seen. And then the final three quarters is, is the, like the worst offensive output that we've seen from Oklahoma. I mean, I, if you want to throw out the Davis-Bevel games, I mean, like with a, a quarterback that you think is supposed to be pretty good or at least can move the offense, maybe we've seen since we've been following OU. Uh, didn't they actually have quite a few first downs in the, in the Texas game? Sure, yeah. And you know what uh, aided that, though? The Wildcat. The Wildcat formation and, and that which, again, was never, uh, never in the playbook against Oklahoma State. In a game when Oklahoma cannot figure out anything offensively, they don't think, you know what, all right, f- whatever, fine. We're going to le- – let's at least try the Wildcat. Let's give it a shot. I mean, it's been pretty successful this year. Might as well just give it a shot and try. Maybe we can get a first down. And if not, all right, then nothing's working. I don't, I don't get it. Why are they not trying it? <laughs> It's just—it's so odd that everything that they dial up in the first quarter worked. Everything worked, like everything, and then, nah. So I, I don't—I mean, I—I I, I, just—I have no idea what it is. But uh, well, I guess the yeah, we haven't even brought up the fact that the last two games, third down, what they are on third down is is abysmal. I think it's like three for twenty-five or something. Something. I think they were one of. It's one of. It's, bring it up. Uh, yeah, it's it's two for twenty-five. They were like one of eleven against West Virginia. I think they were uh, one for thirteen or one for fourteen yesterday. One for fourteen yesterday. That is. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, like, and we're. I mean, we're at the point. Yeah, when when they're in third down, I'm I'm nervous uh, because one that they can't throw the ball over the middle of the field. Um, they just, I, I don't know what it, I don't know if Gabriel is too short that he can't see it. Um, I don't know if it's just, he just, he's just not accurate. So they just, they don't really run that much stuff over there. So, I mean, it's just any, and, and we said this, we said this, you know, early on in the season, we said this in the preseason, 
anytime you put Gabriel back there and it's an obvious passing situation and he's got to sit in the pocket and go th- go through his progressions, he's pretty bad. And we and we've seen that play out numerous times this year. Guy's just not good when he's got to sit in the pocket. Yeah, it's definitely something he needs to work on, and it's not really his strength. Uh, and I think a lot of it, his size definitely factors in. I think it does. Uh, Oklahoma State, it seemed like at times in the game, were stacking the box, bringing like there was one situation. I think it was the uh, it was the play where it was. I think it was after the the Anton Harrison holding that was ticky tack. So I brought up. I think it was third and fifteen or third and twenty, and it was like one of the few targets of the game to Theo Weiss. Remember, he's on the team still. Uh, probably not for long, uh, the way he's been utilized. But Theo Weiss ran a slant, ball was knocked away, incomplete, and there was nobody in the middle of the field in that play. Uh, OSU just kind of sold out and was like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to force Dylan Gabriel to to make a throw here, and also we're confident that our corner will be able to cover this guy. And they were right. Whereas if they had, if he had extra time to throw there, he almost got he was, he almost got hit as he threw it. I was texting you. I mean, it would have been a perfect situation for them to realize okay there's no way in the middle of the field maybe let's max protect here like make some sort of pre-snap audible a little slant and go action with Theo Weiss easy touchdown there's nobody back but I mean that's just maybe I'm overthinking this that that doesn't seem like it's really in in the playbook and that's kind of the point of Oklahoma State there they're like yeah they're probably not going to do anything we're going to be able to get away with being extra super aggressive here on third and 15 so just an example of Oklahoma State's defense just kind of saying, you know what, we don't think Dylan Gabriel can beat us. And they were right for the most part. Want to get the three-word reviews? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go to – well, I'll start for the West of Everest Facebook page. Appreciate you guys always leaving these three-word reviews. Got quite a bit of them here. We'll start with Shane on the West of Everest Facebook page. Shane says, were recruits impressed? Question mark. I guess there was a, a, a good amount of recruits there for an official visit, I guess. Uh, that's pr- that's honestly, that's probably the biggest positive from the game. If, if you really want to look at it, you know, from a, from a future standpoint as well, really big recruiting weekend and all the, all the, the words right now are that it went really well. So um, I know uh, David Hicks and Peyton Bowen were there and those, those are kind of the two big fish that they really, really want. And I'm at the point now where I have no idea. I'm not going to try to make any predictions. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's the future. Yeah, stuff like that. That's certainly a, a positive thing that they, even though it was a weird game, they still won. Tracy on the West of Everest Facebook page says, defense figured out? Question uh, mark. I take this as like the defense is figuring things out. I mean, like, what'd you say? Three out of the last four games, they played good? Yeah, they've played, played well. Three of the last four. Uh, Tyler says, this is interesting. He says, always ruining parlays. <laughs> and Tyler says that he's glad to see Oklahoma play better, but this inconsistency is really making it hard to know how to bet. <laughs> so I guess I, I'm taking, I take it that Tyler might have had Oklahoma State, maybe uh, plus the points in a parlay. And uh, obviously OU ended up covering. Yeah, that was a, um, I, 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 would, I would guess that uh, Vegas made quite a bit of money on OU last night. I just, Think about this, man. Oklahoma State, you were catching, I think it closed at a touchdown, catching seven points. You hold Oklahoma off the scoreboard the last three quarters, and you still didn't even cover. (laughs) You still couldn't cover seven. 
Man, being an Oklahoma State fan today is probably some sort of other frustration, man. Like, I, I don't know. Nathan says, no situational awareness. And I think that's more along the lines of the offense because Nathan also adds, defense delivered domination. Triple D. Let's see what else we got here. Scotty says, defense won game. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the offense in the first quarter did its part. But, yeah, I mean, after that, like, like you said, yeah, the defense, defense made sure that score held up. How about this, Grant? Scotty says also, offense needs oversight. Interesting. Correct. Because this is not like it's. Yeah, we can I, I can we, I can rail on Lebby and his decision, his his tempo and all that. But I mean, it's on Brent Venables to get in his ear in the in the second half of that game and say, run the freaking ball and, and run the run the play clock. I don't care about your tempo. You got to do that if you're Vinny. You absolutely have to. <laughs> and hey, hey, Jeff, where's the Wildcat? Run it again. Like I, I just, I, I just want to emphasize it one more time. There, what they were doing with the clock in the second half was straight incompetence. It was so stupid. I can't even explain it. More along those lines. Shane has another one. Says, "Slow it down!" Exclamation point. David says, "Time's up, Lebby." And then he has a little uh, laughing face emoji as well. Lebby getting a lot of criticism, which uh, is deserved. I mean, he, and like he's done all year, he took all the blame. He said, you know, we got some self self inflicted things. He referenced the drops, which there were drops. You know, those those aren't on him. Uh, but Jeff Lebby did take all the blame. He says it starts and ends with me. So okay, that's what yeah, he does. for sure, man. Like, and uh, has anyone asked him? And maybe someone will ask, like in the. Has someone just straight up asked him, do you think that tempo has served you well over the course of this season? The answer to that question question. is absolutely not. It has not helped at all this season. But I would like to know how he would answer that. He probably wouldn't answer it, but... Well, that would give you the answer then, if he doesn't answer. I mean, because that's his thing, man. That's his offense, so... It has been a net Let's, negative. It has hurt them far more than it has helped this year. I, I, think, I think that's something that everyone would be in agreement of. So... I think there's more nuance to it than that. It's it all depends on how much you believe this offense, the success rate, the big plays, the hits are because of the tempo. And certainly I think Jeff Levy thinks that that is the reason why. And I think there's that's worth that's worth a discussion because how many of these plays like for instance the the Marvin Mims long touchdown catch against Baylor. That that came off of a a, a big play, first down, tempo, tempo, tempo. You hit Baylor over the top. I'm fine touchdown. with going tempo when you when you get a first down. That's when you're sure, supposed okay. to do it. You're supposed and to do it been, when you have the defense on their heels. Right. So you know, like in a game like that, whenever you're struggling, maybe uh, when you're not getting first downs, have a have a change up, have a have a different pitch to go to, but. Th- it's easy for us to say that, but I guess if they always just practice, practice tempo, but maybe maybe they shouldn't just always practice tempo then. Maybe they should try something else. I don't know. That's Whenever this happens, whenever there's shortcomings, whenever there's mistakes, whenever you know, they can cost themselves games, I think all of these questions are legitimate. More three-word reviews. Phillip says, clearly a rebuild. Interesting. Trey says, bowl eligible Sooners. They're going to a bowl game. They get to play, and who knows which one's going to be. <laughs> uh, Tim says clocks still matter. More clock, game clock, time of possession discussion. 
And last thing on the West of Everest Facebook page, our old friend Brady Trantham says, quote, it's our identity. Hmm, I'm trying to think who said that. Is it a Brent Venables quote? Is it is Lebby? Did Lebby talk about it? I don't know. Yeah, it could I, be either, I, but I mean, I, I, that's, that's what he's saying. There. I mean, that's that's what's that's that's what the line is going to be for sure. And uh, I don't know, man. I just I, I think they have this exactly backwards. I, I do. You, you you go to the tempo once you already have a badass offense to make it even more badass. And I that is what I have always believed. Uh, this is the way that they the way that they implement it is straight gimmick. And it's it just it it only works against against the crappy defenses like Kansas. Mm-hmm. And for the first quarter against Oklahoma State, and that's the thing is like whenever, but again the last two defenses they faced statistically are two of the worst in the conference, and they had success for a quarter against Oklahoma State, and then absolutely zero success, and then against West Virginia they had success for about two drives, and that was it. And it's like good offenses have had tons of success against these defenses all year. Why couldn't you? For the, I mean, for for the majority of the game, like there was a, and, and I I realized that there were times during the Lincoln Riley era where I was I was frustrated. I wish they they would have used more tempo. The reasoning behind that was that OU that Lincoln Riley's OU's offense or OU offenses were pretty much always ahead of schedule and always explosive. They were always just getting first downs all the time, and then they would just sit on the ball. Right, I see what you mean. Let's go over to Twitter. Our cousin James says, bull bound, baby. <laughs> Easy for him to, uh, to say as his K-State Wildcats are having a great season. I think the Big 12, I, I don't know if they've locked up a Big 12 title game berth just yet. I, I think, think they, they still have to win. Yeah, they still got to win, but I think they Texas can. Texas could still technically, can still technically, yeah, if, if Texas wins and K-State loses, I think Texas is in. I think that's how it'll be. Uh, but uh, man, Yeah, that's right. They'd both year. be six and three, and Texas would have the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Brett says tempo needs work. Maybe the understatement of the year. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> uh, Brett. Maybe Brett. Maybe that's kind of. Maybe that's kind of more the middle of the road approach there. Maybe that's more of kind of the level-headed approach. They just need to work on it. But I would say, I mean, the obvious thing is just don't do it all the time. Yeah. Jeff says Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Caleb just going straight. Straight positive. He says, we didn't lose. <laughs> True. A win. Yeah, got, got to get wins. You know, every single win in a season like this is a good win. And I, you know, I, that's important to point out. Uh, I mean, but like, they just lost can, to West Virginia a week ago. I mean, I, I enjoyed and I enjoyed watching the defense on Saturday night. Can anyone watching that game like actually tell me, did they, anyone watching the game actually have fun watching it in the last three quarters? This is why like I'm kind of, I had a blast watching the Kansas game. When the defense gave up 600 yards and 42 points. Yeah. That's the thing, man. You have to be kind of really crimson-colored glasses to, to get out of that game and just be like, yeah, cool, just because, you know, they beat Oklahoma State. Like, you get it. You know, you want to win Bedlam, whatever. Uh, but if you, if you actually kind of want to have super positive thoughts about the future and even about next week and stuff, there's clearly some red flags that you got to address. But you know what? At the same time, we're not going to tell people how they how they should consume OU football. Everyone does it in a different way, and you know, you got to do you. Uh, not to say that anybody that listens to this podcast is is like that. I I, I would kind of doubt that. I feel like most people listening to this show are probably 
very aware of the shortcomings of this team, but at the same time, are obviously very happy OU won the game. My old teammate Steve McGee at News 9 says, weird football game. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, longtime listener Josh Adams says, third down struggles. Another understatement of the year, Josh, man. Back-to-back game. That is so bad. Can you just, like, I just, I can't get over 13 straight empty possessions. That's, that's usually how many possessions you have in a single game. <laughs> Last six, three and out. Six three and outs in a row to end the game. And then uh, they took knees, so like technically when, it wasn't a three and out. When, like, all you needed to do on any of those possessions was, just, like, just get one first down. Just take some... Take some time with the clock. Shorten the game. Let's get out of here. Yeah. I mean, maybe score another. Maybe kick a field goal. You know, just do something. Maybe extend the lead a little bit. But it just, it was like the hardest thing ever, apparently. Longtime listener, Gonzo Strangelove, with a good amount of three-word reviews. He says, Lebby is inflexible. That's starting to look more and more true. I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think that's that's a really yeah. fair and concise way of putting it. Because and the thing is, what makes it frustrating is that he built himself in the offseason, preseason leading up as a guy that his offense is always kind of changing. He's always kind of adding new things here and there. Maybe I guess maybe he does that in the offseason. I don't know. But that certainly does not seem to be the case now 11 games through the, through the year, uh, 11 games into the year. It's, the offense has been the offense. I mean, granted, credit to him before the Texas game, throwing in the Wildcat because – they couldn't develop a backup quarterback to save their lives, so they had to do something just to be able to move the football. But now, whenever it'd be, I'd be interested to see the Wildcat the last couple of games when the offense is struggling, they're not using it. So, which is it? Or, yeah. He also doesn't... Um, I guess maybe this is not that fair. I, I still don't think he calls plays with, uh, with Gabriel's limitations in mind enough. Um, but also, that, that could be unfair, because I don't know what the calls are. I'm not... I'm not sure what plays he's not calling because of perceived limitations, but I will say the the play design on the Jaleel Farouk touchdown That's pretty nasty. was pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah, yeah I think fake we can bubble screen to a wheel route. He he can drop some pretty sick plays. Indeed. More from Gonzo Strangelove. He says time of possession. Also, he says, Gabriel, ease up. And finally, defense, well done. Good stuff there. Uh, at is that you on Twitter says, his three-word review is, Grant won't whine, question mark? <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, that has not been the case. <laughs> uh, this is going from Jacob. It's, I, it's good. Uh, Jacob says, bull eligible, yay? <laughs> question mark? <laughs> I'm I'm excited. So I'm actually I'm one of those guys who is like potentially excited that they could play in the Liberty Bowl because they've never played in the Liberty Bowl, at least that I know of, at least since I've been following them. That sounds like a fun little new thing. So I'm all for it. I hope they play in the Liberty Bowl. What about the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth? Want to see them in that one? No, because and this is unfair. And I, I like I hey I respect the troops and everything. But the Armed Forces Bowl, along with the Guaranteed Rate Bowl or whatever, those just kind of seem like fake bowls to me. Sorry. <laughs> the Guaranteed Rate one is out in Phoenix, at least, so the weather would be really nice. And they've actually played it. That's, the, that is, that's essentially the Insight Bowl. 
which they have played in, but they played Iowa in the Insight Bowl in, uh, mm-hmm. in 2000, uh, 2011. Aaron says, offense is atrocious. <laughs> uh, more from Jacob. Jacob says, therapy session game. <laughs> These are some good ones, guys. Uh, Jack is uh, giving you some props, Grant. Jack says, Grant predicted this. And he says, in parentheses, Lebby's tempo issues. Yeah, I mean, you were from the beginning, I mean, when he was hired, that was one of the first the first things that you were like, eh, I'm kind of curious to see how this goes because not a fan of this as, you know, however you said, just like as an offense. Tempo for or, tempo's you know, sake is dumb. Period. Mm-hmm. Navy Sooner says defense saved offense. Very good. Jonathan goes three and out. Hey, that's very pithy, Jonathan. Yes, that, that's a fair three-word review. <laughs> Uh, longtime listener Harry says, "Let's go bowling." Give me a positive. More negative, Jeff Lebby. More criticism on Lebby. Tim says Lebby needs reevaluated. I mean, all, all the criticism he's opened up to it, man. I mean, the last two games have not been great. Uh, Tim, keeping it positive, says the Sooners won. That is a a very efficient three word review. That's exactly what happened, indeed. And I can I can understand. <laughs> I mean, if people if people would really rather you know focus on. Them just winning the game. I mean, I, I think that's totally valid, too. Um, but I, I don't think it's any sort of accident that a vast majority of these three-word reviews are basically, are they're expressing frustration about the offense. Which I, I, it's just so unfortunate that they did win the game. They beat, they beat their, one of their biggest rivals by two touchdowns. And the story of the game is how terrible the offense was. It is the story of the game. I'm sorry, but it is. Yep. William the Beefcake says, defensive win. Surprisingly, <laughs> here's some really good three word reviews, guys. Well done this time. Uh, the dude, I like this one. Best worst game. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Lou Scott says no offensive creativity. Another good one. I mean, uh, you can't. You don't have a play in the playbook to pick up a first down over the last six possessions of the game. Really? How? How do you again? By accident, how do you how do you not like, how do you not slip through one tackle? I mean, even and the fall forward for a first down. Even the terrible Farouk drop was a broken play. It was, yeah. John says WTF. Sooner underscore Trey says run the clock. <laughs> like how do you uh, how do you see the entire second half of that game if you're Jeff Lebby and you just think to yourself. Yeah, okay. Let's keep snapping it with 30 seconds to go on the play clock. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. That's that's the correct thing to do. Have you ever watched football? And I know I'm like I I'm being being a douche right now. I, I get it. But like, come on. That's how incompetent it was. That's how alarming it was. It was like he wasn't even watching the same game. You know what? How about uh didn't mention this at all positive part of the game i, I like how about the fun special teams kickoff return little billy bowman little uh, music city miracle play throwback to marvin mims ah screw it he should have scored on it man i'm not willing to give it to him i'm just kidding yeah it was a fun one the problem was is that any momentum that that you know gathered is that the first snap of the that series was uh, a jaleel farouk drop <laughs> on a swing on a wide open pass, like on a slant route. Uh, so anyway, I just 
like everything everything after the first quarter was just not great not great at all uh, almost done with three word reviews uh, michael says three first downs they had more than three is that maybe just the second i think the second half they had two but anyways not a lot of two, first uh, three th- who i mean whatever it's, uh, it's, it's a very it's small all? number that's the point and finally, Matt says, one quarter needed. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And then finally, he says, three-quarter abomination. I like it. Fantastic job on the three-word reviews this time, guys. And, you know, it's normally when OU wins, there's not as many as whenever OU loses. There's a pretty good amount after an OU win, mainly because of what you talked about already, Grant, on the show. is like the story of the game is the offense, the way the offense played. And, like, and you know what? That's super, like, that's really unfair to the defense. And I, it's totally on the offensive guys. It's 100% on their shoulders, all those dudes. But mostly Jeff Levy. Like, I just, I don't know how Brent Venables, as a defensive guy, can't be himself, like, after this, the final straw of just being, like, offended that his offense put his defense out there 19 times. And I know Venables, I believe I read a quote where he, he wasn't happy about it. I don't have the exact quote in front of me unfortunately but it was entirely predictable with just i mean entirely preventable with just one small little adjustment guys Mm -hmm. and it's just frustrating because brent venables since the beginning since he started here and and levy as well man they just they build themselves all the off-season talking season stuff was just everything i wanted to hear from a coach of how much film matters and adjustments and you can you can find the answers on tape and every single game you prepare differently because it's a diff- different opponent and you figure out their weaknesses, are, you know, what their strengths, everything. But it's like, nah, I guess when it comes down to it, it's football and these guys have their systems and they run their systems. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I guess joke's on me. Uh, yeah, when it works, it's great. When it doesn't work, then it's frustrating. Okay, well, that's all the three-word reviews I have. Uh, next up, OU at Texas Tech. Another night game, Grant, to end the season. And uh, hoping to improve their chances of going to a better bowl game. I guess I was reading in the Oklahoman. Credit to, make sure I get this writer correctly. I think it's Ryan Aber. Yes, Ryan Aber. I want to give him credit because he uh, wrote a little bit about the bowl situation coming up. And he says that, uh, I guess the Big 12, or no, bowl games get a chance to actually like pick which teams... Uh, they want uh, it says in Ryan's story says in the big 12 bulls aren't required to pick according to conference finish so it's possible that oh you could finish you know whatever like far down in the conference but a certain bowl if they get like a certain pick and they they want to pick OU instead of a team that's above them that could be that could happen because OU's got a bigger brand anyway so that means they, they could go to the Liberty Bowl you mentioned that's in uh, Memphis they could go to the Texas Bowl down in Houston. But, again, we were kind of joking. In theory, they could also go to the Armed Forces Bowl <laughs> or the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. or uh, I feel like there's one other one they could go to. But maybe the, those are kind of the four, <laughs> I think, that are a possibility. So probably not Cheez-It Bowl, probably not Alamo Bowl. I think they're not going to make those. I, I don't want to play in the Cheez-It uh. Bowl. That's another one. I just like – I'm one of those. I'm just not over the fact that – and like I get it, I, I I know that like the Cheez It Bowl, like they they totally like play up the absurdity of it and all of that, and I appreciate that. I just I, I as a as 
I would just be really upset if OU had to play in the freaking Cheez It Bowl. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. I do really enjoy Cheez Its. I think they're great. They're so good. Just an, an A plus snack. With a with an asterisk though, the the extra toasty Cheez Its. That's and they should toast them even more. Like they're they're way better than the original. And so if I went and played the Cheez It Bowl, I'm sure or covered it, I'm sure that there's Cheez Its everywhere. The problem is though, I just know I know that all the Cheez Its would probably just be normal regular flavor. But maybe not. Maybe they would have a bunch of different kinds, and they would be awesome. I don't, I don't know. know, man. We could we could get the Cheez It guys on the hotline and be like, "Hey, Cheez It guys, what's the deal? You guys, <laughs> you guys just got like pallets of Cheez Its like everywhere, all brands. <laughs> got like you got low that's, fat, that's you got big, extra toasty, yeah. you got the white ones, you got like the Chipotle ones. They just everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the my biggest regrets of my journalism career, looking back, is uh, missing out on the Peach Bowl when OU played against LSU. As far as coverage-wise, because I had to stay back in Oklahoma City for my job. I didn't get a chance to go because I heard stories of that, that trip covering it. Man, everywhere you went, Grant, there was just Chick-fil-A everywhere for free. You could just, just Chick-fil-A like, as far as the eye could see. <sighs> yeah, it sounds pretty good. I'd rather have Kane's. That would have been awesome. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, just the Chick-fil-A... Chicken sandwiches are pretty darn good, man. And like, I'll be honest, I'm even. You just, a, you could, it's a, it's good. Chick Fil A is good, but I'm even at the point now where I would probably prefer Popeyes. I like Popeyes. I like Popeyes too. I like them all. It's all good, man. It's all good, man. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, oh, I, uh, I, I actually just saw this come across my newsfeed. Uh, Texas Tech's best player, Tyree Wilson, will not be playing next week for the Red Raiders. Oh, okay. So that's good. He's maybe a top 10 draft pick so that's good happy they don't have to face that guy and who will play quarterback for texas tech i don't even know who's is it morton is it uh i think shuck the other guy played the entire game um but but donovan smith also had a rushing touchdown so i don't know if that was they just playing all the quarterbacks i don't know yeah but uh, we'll see very happy to not uh very happy that they beat iowa state and they will not be playing for bowl eligibility next week uh, Texas Tech, that is. I, I just, that would have sucked going into Lubbock at night for bowl eligibility. And so now I kind of think, and of course, not, I mean, yeah, Tyree Wilson is not playing now that they're bowl eligible, all of that. And so hopefully kind of an easier, uh, easier environment for OU to get the dub. All right. So, hey, we got Thanksgiving coming up, obviously, this week. Uh, schedule should be the same, though. We'll be back. We'll uh, get together Wednesday and... Uh, Record our pre-Texas Tech podcast grant before Oklahoma's regular season finale. Yep. Snap your fingers, and the season is basically over. That's just the way it always goes as this uh, super bizarre college football season is coming to a close. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.